Success Insight shares the stories of the people with passion and drive who make things happen in the world. Here's your host, Howard Fox. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coaching and Consulting Insights on the Success Insight Podcast. The Coaching and Consulting Insights series introduces you to coaches and consultants that work with professionals, managers, leaders, and organizations to perform at their full potential. Our guest today is Margot Garcia. Margot is a leadership coach and founder of Great Leader Coaching. Margot, welcome to Coaching and Consulting Insights on the Success Insight Podcast. Thank you, Howard, and thank you for sharing your audience with me. Fantastic. So I'm, you know, for our listeners, and, and I always say in the spirit of full disclosure, I met Margot a couple of years ago at an event hosted by a good friend of ours, Dr. Tom Teague. And uh, I was introduced at the time to the San Diego Professional Coaches Alliance, which I then joined and which Margot plays a very significant role in. So first off, Margot, thank you uh, for uh, also inviting me into the organization. But it's just really wonderful to meet other coaches like yourself and kind of learn about your work and what you're doing, the types of clients you have, what are their issues they're facing, and how are you helping them solve those? And before we actually get into that, I would love if you could, Margot, share a little bit about your background and, you know, leading into how you got into this wonderful world of coaching. I come from a corporate human resources background, um, almost 30 years in various organizations, large, small, public, private, global and some local. So I've worked in a number of companies and in the last couple of gigs being the head of HR and really enjoyed helping to create the culture for the organization. My last company, we were so successful, we got sold. And I thought, well, that's wonderful. They said they were going to keep us on for, you know, a couple of years while they did the transition. And wouldn't you know, a couple of months later that they let the CEO, the CFO and me go. Oh, well. Go figure that. (laughs) What that opened up, though, was an opportunity to get my coaching credential, something that I'd been wanting to do um, for many years. I did a lot of coaching inside the organization, working with the executive team, our senior leaders, our managers, and helping them develop their leadership skills, helping them be the best leader that they could be inside the organization. And I wanted to be able to take that experience and work with other managers in other organizations, helping them to develop their leadership skills as well. One of the things I had done many years before was get my MBA because I felt that that was a credential that would help me earn a seat at the table. And my coaching credential is the same thing, sort of a stripe, you know, saying, hey, look, I've done the work. I have the background uh, as well as the experience to be able to help you work through and develop your skills as a leader. My mantra, if you will, is I help good managers become great leaders, the leader that they want to be and the leader that their organization needs them to be. Very good. Now, I do have a question, and this is not uh, designed to put you on the spot. Uh, (laughs) And yet here I am. (laughs) Funny how I lean into that. Okay, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, stop the the press. You you have this HR background, and, and I did not come from an HR space. I came from a consulting space. I call myself a recovering IT business consultant. HR, from my 
viewpoint, and obviously I'm misinformed because the way you've just described yourself, they don't always have that proverbial, let me help my team, my leaders that I'm responsible for mm-hmm. develop themselves. You know, it because HR, again, this is, as I have observed, are always looking for the seats at the table. And sometimes Ooh. the position was not always... You know, it, it was like a necessary evil, policies, procedures, make sure the regulations are followed. And I never really heard an individual say, well, I also help my my leaders, the people I'm responsible for throughout the organization develop themselves. So that's actually new for me. Mm. Are you just fortunate to have played that role or is it the culture of the organizations that you were in? Cause I think that's very interesting because I think it's wonderful to be able to do that as an HR professional. I'm really glad that you asked the question because I think there are a lot of misconceptions and people do believe that HR is like the police of the organization, making sure everybody follows the rules and the regulations. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that's not part of the job. At the same time, I really saw my role as helping to identify and articulate what kind of company we were going to be. And that meant how we treated each other, how we treated our employees, and the environment that we created so that people could be as successful and live up to their potential as possible. It was always important to me that we remember that employees have a choice. (laughs) They can go somewhere else. And unless we develop them, challenge them, and appreciate them, that's just what they're going to do. So the more that I could help our managers understand that their role was to indeed create that environment so that employees could bring their best selves to work. Um, And that was their job. And they were, in fact, evaluated on how well they did that. Yes, we had goals and objectives that had to be met for the profitability of the organization. That's a given. But in addition to that, as a manager, you're also responsible for making sure that you develop challenge and appreciate your employees. You know, what's interesting about your reply and how you've articulated this, the first words that came to mind was organizational culture is what is the culture of this organization? What do we want? Not only our employees, who are in a sense, I call them brand ambassadors. You know, what are they saying about us? And then also our customers, what are our customers saying about us, the way we treat our employees? Do we want this organization working with us if they treat their employees badly? Do we really want them as our vendor? Yeah. Uh, And if they treat them well, well, this is probably you know, then they're going to treat us well. So I, I like that. But is it your knack for finding the good organizations that had this these, this really nice culture or did it, did it evolve? Because I, again, I find that very interesting because I don't often hear that of working with an organization and the culture to like, you know, you, you have a responsibility, not only, like you said, not for the, you know, the bottom line, but also to develop your employees and take and take care of them as well. 
I wish I could tell you that every organization I've walked into was just a great organization. And all I had to do was kind of, you know, show up and everything was perfect. But in many cases, I was brought in because I have this different perspective and a willingness to work through the changes that need to be made to get a corporation to a different level. So, If there was a lot of turnover, if there were challenges that the organization was facing and not always able to be as profitable as they wanted to because it was a people issue, I would come in and after an assessment and working with, you know, and getting to know the different um, leaders of the various functional groups within the organization, make some recommendations and then roll out a program or a plan to how we were going to get there. Again, I I was in HR my entire career, um, about 10 years in, went off and did my MBA, and then came back and felt I had even more skills and abilities to, to offer the organization. And have been very fortunate that I've been able to influence the organizations that I've worked for and have them embrace this idea that you know, creating a space for employees to thrive is good for business. It's good for the organization. And at the end of the day, you just are able to go home and feel good about the work you're doing because you are treating people with respect. You're getting respect back and you're free to do the right thing inside your company instead of just crunching numbers and steamrolling things to make them happen. Sure. No, I love it. I love it. Now, in this last company, they they were bought, and then a couple Mm -hmm. months later, it's like, okay, thank you very much. (laughs) Did you make the the immediate shift to the coaching profession? Okay, now now how do I put a lot of these ideas, my beliefs into practice. How did you then enter into the coaching profession? Yeah, I um, was extremely fortunate. They gave me a lot of money to go away. That's (laughs) that's a good problem to have. I I can't say that happened to me. Yeah. And it was like, you know, I went from working about 70 hours a week to not working. So my husband and I, we actually traveled for about six months. We went to places we never had dreamed of. We went to Russia. We went to Spain. We went, yeah, we just had a grand old time for the first six months. And then it was like, okay, we're home now. What am I going to do? And that's when um, I really jumped into the idea of I'm going to do what I had been wanting to do for so long, which was get the coaching credential. I had actually looked into it about 10 years before and the timing wasn't right. So now it was like, okay, it's right. And yes, I jumped into a year long training program and through the course of that training, started the program, started doing initially pro bono coaching, and then eventually um, hung up my shield, great leader coaching. Very good. I was very fortunate that um, some of my first clients were people that I had worked with before. When I reached out to people to let them know what I was doing, they were saying, oh, that's so great because I missed the conversations we used to have. I missed how you used to challenge me to find other ways of saying or doing something to have a better outcome in either a relationship or in, you know, with a problem situation. So um, yeah, very fortunate. Very good. Now, when you are on a coaching engagement or somebody Mm -hmm. has reached out to you, what type of 
program are you offering? What's the the secret, not secret sauce, okay, the secret sauce or the ingredients <laughs> to you know, uh, great leader coaching. What what are you? What types of processes, tools are you bringing to the table in your engagements? Thanks for asking, because I do consider myself an ontological coach, which is all about how the person is being, how they're showing up. So while somebody may may reach out because they've got an issue with a problem situation, a challenge with an employee, and want to work on their leadership. I consider myself a leadership coach, and that's often how people find me. We will absolutely address that challenge, that question. And then because we've had some success in how they're showing up differently, they bring other challenges or questions to the table. And oftentimes that is about the relationships that they have with their management, with their employees, with their peers, and even sometimes the family. You know, they're not showing up there the way they want to. They're not being the dad, the the, the loving husband that they want to be because they're working so much. And we talk about boundaries. We talk about how they see themselves. We talk about how other people are seeing them and how they want to show up. That's generally where the, you know, the conversation goes. I, as as an ontological coach, I don't really have a, okay, today we're going to work on your X. It's really what the client brings to the table. What are they grappling with? What are they losing sleep over? What do they worry about? How can we um, look at those from a different perspective, have them try out perhaps some new skills, some new ways of speaking, showing up differently so that they can um, experiment with different outcomes then? What kind of tools do you use in your approach? Because you, as you were chatting, you were mentioning you know, how the individual shows up, their relationship with their manager, their peers, their subordinates. And right away, again, as a coach and on the show, people know that I'm a coach, not just a podcast host. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of like a 360 degree assessment or a variety of tools. Mm-hmm. But, so I'm curious, what types of tools do you use and why? Absolutely. I've used 360s. If I'm brought in by an organization, that's one of the first tools I generally recommend. Um, If I'm hired by an individual, I will ask them if that's something that they want to take on. Typically, it's not where we start, though, because I want to meet them where they are. If they're saying, I'm coming to you because I want to fix this or I want to get better at that, we're going to dive right into that. And then we'll say, okay, how else can I support you in being the manager, the leader you want to be. And then they'll bring up what, you know, is the next level or the next area that they want to explore. Based on that, I've got a variety of tools and assessments that I've used in the past. And I just kind of dig through and find one that, you know, may be appropriate to help them get additional insight into how they're looking at something or how they're seeing themselves. And then It's really about the powerful conversation that we have, the questions that I ask that help them to be reflecting on how it is they are behaving and not necessarily the why behind it, but just understanding that there are some things they do automatically, habits they've formed that serve them or don't. 
ways of speaking and talking that serve them or don't. And they have a choice in the matter. The more facility they have, the better ability and agility they have with showing up differently given the situation, given the scenario, the more powerful they can be as a leader. And the way that they're working on themselves is a tremendous, tremendous way to model that for their employees. That, you know, leadership is a skill and it's like a muscle that you exercise and it gets stronger. And um, here's what I'm working on. Um, let's talk about areas, you employee, that where you want to, you know, get stronger, where you want to develop. How can I, as your manager, help you do that? Okay. And I'm curious, within your client list, how deep into the organization do you typically go? I mean, you Perhaps somewhere in the organization, at some level, they've brought you in based on reputation. They know of you. They've heard of you. They've worked with you. But then how deep down into the organization, so maybe the entry-level managers, the supervisors, the professional staff, even the non-professional staff, how deep do you go into the organizations? Because that's, you know, I I think personally everybody ought to have, have the opportunity to be coached inside of an organization, all right? You know. Yeah, so I'm curious how, what type of entree and, you know, throughout the, the, the structure have you had the opportunity to go into? I mostly work with the managers who manage other managers. Okay. Um, that's my sweet spot. I find that um, a lot of organizations will have training, um, sometimes even coaching available for the first line supervisor, the person who's managing for the first time. And they will oftentimes send their executives off to, you know, expensive programs or bring in executive coaches to support them. That middle level manager, that manager who's managing other managers, so they're a senior manager, a director, a VP level, Mm -hmm. they're the ones that don't often get the attention. They are often on their own trying to figure things out. And if you don't have great role models in the organization, then they're trying to either do it on their own, figure it out on their own, or they're mimicking or modeling bad behaviors. So they're the ones that I'm either brought in to work with or will reach out to me themselves, um, knowing that they there's something missing, there's something that um, they need to, to move to the next level, and they are interested in adding velocity to that process. So one of the things that I always say is, look, my my clients are smart, resourceful, really creative people. They're perfect just the way they are. And they can figure these things out. It will just probably take a while. Or they can work with a coach and we can kind of nail stuff really quickly and move on to, you know, to other things that will expand their capacity as well as help them move up the ladder in the organization if that's what they're interested in doing. Okay. And what is your approach to maintaining, for the sake of a better metaphor, the stickiness of this experience of being coached? And and I ask this because oftentimes when companies had money in the 80s and 90s, (laughs) <laughs> perhaps 2000s, they'd send you off to a three-day training on, you know, uh, leadership challenge or MBTI or something. Yeah, go get go go take training. And everybody's excited. They're gung-ho. 
And then a day or two after they get back to the office, the binder at the time went into the credenza, never to be seen again. Just get dusty, yeah. So how do you keep the stickiness and help the clients to, look, this this is a... This is not going to end. I may not be here, but this process of developing yourself, your your direct reports, it's mm-hmm. not going to end. How do you approach yeah. that? So I first of all, I completely agree with you. I think that the one of the biggest and most um, wasteful things that organizations do is when they send an individual off to a training and then bring them back and there's nothing in the organization that supports the retention of that learning, nothing that supports them in trying out and getting feedback on their new behaviors. It's a little bit better if you send an entire team off because then the team can come back and provide support for one another. But when the organization as a whole isn't supporting that change, is is there trying to do everything it can to get them back to the, you know <laughs> the old habits and the way of doing things, it also dies a fairly easy death. The reason coaching has more stickiness, to use your words, is that we're talking about the individual manager getting immediate feedback from they're doing something different or saying something different or you know trying out a new behavior and then are able to bring that back and talk to the coach about how it went what they how it felt for them what they observed what they noticed what they want to do more of what they don't ever want to do again and we talk about what's the truth in that statement because one person's perspective on something is just that one perspective. And what I try and do, what I know that a lot of coaches do, is try and open the person up to broaden their perspective. So yes, you tried this, this is the result, and you thought it meant X. What if it didn't mean that? What if it meant something else? And then we explore just in terms of of the conversation, different options so that when they go back into the work the next day, what have you, and try something again, they're hopefully looking at it from with different sets of eyes and able to come back then and talk about what they experienced. And it's that ability to try something, get feedback talk it through, try something again, come back, get feedback, talk it through, that allows that, it's sort of that muscle building. Because now they have some experience to fall back on to say, okay, I've been in this situation before. I tried this. Here was the result. I tried this. This was, I'm either going to try something new or I'm going to replicate something that really went well. And then talk about it. It's a cementing process of knowing that they have the skill set, the tool bag, if you will, of different ways to approach different situations so that they can get a different outcome. If they've always been doing something one way and it always turns out the same way, that situation won't change unless they change their approach. And so coaching helps them um, have the confidence to try out new things and then talk about, reflect on why it went differently. Is that the way they want to continue to show up for that person or in that situation? And if so, let's find another situation where you can try that out again and really cement that process so that it becomes 
part of your toolkit that you're comfortable reaching into and not a scary situation where, oh my gosh, what do I do? And how do I figure this out? And now I feel like an idiot and blah, blah, blah. You know, all of that negative self-talk that goes on because we've been in the coaching conversations, helping them to build that comfort and that with comfort comes the confidence to try new things. Great. Very good. Now I'm curious, you know, uh, you know, having just bought something on Amazon and within a, a day I get, you know, how was your Amazon experience? And mm. so, so testimonials, the proverbial testimonials, <laughs> thinking back to the work, you know, you have been doing and perhaps even it's the impact you had prior to, you know, actually getting the, 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 the formal coach training. Mm-hmm. Is there an example of someone's come back to you and, and, that maybe you hadn't seen in a while? It's like, oh, Margo, you're not going to believe. And I, I remember because of this, this happened. And, you know, ever since then, you know, th- magnificent things have continued to happen. Not to put you on the spot. I'm sure you have a testimonial in there somewhere. I, you know, I've been very blessed to have people come back to me and say that, you know, I'm in the job I'm in today because of the conversation we had five years ago that had me even looking at was, um, was this the right place for me to be in the organization? You know, at the time we addressed the issues that they were working on, but I've, the conversations we've had we had back then stayed with me. And I've used that to then move into something that today is, yeah, a wonderful new career for me. But it started because of the things you had me think about, the questions you asked me that really caused me to look deep into myself about what did make me happy? What what did, you know, what was I passionate about? Where did I want to, you know, to be five, 10 years from now. And those are great. Or um, the reason I'm doing X today is because of the conversations we had, you know, three, five years ago, what have you. So I am still in contact with a lot of the folks that were in the organizations that I worked with. And um, in addition to now the, the coaching clients I have who tell me that the powerful conversations we had, the questions that I asked them and how I got them to think about things at a deeper level than they were ever either willing or thought they were able to go before is what really made a difference in their lives. And that's so fulfilling. That's I've really I've really been blessed with great clients. <laughs> Wonderful. I would love to chat a little bit about you know, the, your work with the uh, San Diego Professional Coaches Alliance, the SDPCA. But before we do that, uh, kind of close out kind of like the coaching conversation is what are there resources or books that, you know, have really played a, a big role, had an impact on you that you would recommend for people to reach out and, and re, you know, pick up copy, listen to the uh, audio book, the ebook, whatever, get the ebook. I'm all into ebooks. Ever since I moved, I don't want another <laughs> book in my house. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to bu- lug another box full of books, huh? I don't want to, yeah, heaven knows I have too many. <laughs> uh, but are there some books that have really, you know, they're game changers in your mm. mind that you would recommend to our listeners? I, I too have an incredible library. I'm a person who 
uses books as resources. And um, I, I don't just read them. I always read them with a pencil because I'm circling things. I'm writing in the margin. I'm saying, oh, this reminds me of that. And the one that I actually am recommending a lot lately has been um, Nir Ayel's book on Indistractable. And I think the reason is because I've been having a lot of questions, a lot of conversations around um, procrastination, people feeling like they're just stuck and not motivated to, to do the work that they know they need to do. And they're so easily distracted by shiny objects instead of focusing on the work that they know they should be doing. And so I've, I've recommended that book a number of times. He talks a lot about the fact that we get into habits and it's just as easy to, to create new, good, positive habits that help us stay focused as it is to create the habits that keep us playing games until two o'clock in the morning on our iPads or keep us binge watching TV, you know, when we know we should be doing something else. So he talks a lot about turning off the distractions, which is, a, again, a choice that we can make. We just have to take action and do it. And then setting yourself up for success by minimizing the, the things that you know um, you have fallen prey to in the past in terms of the things that you let distract you. Um, that's probably, again, one that I've been recommending a lot lately. Okay. And we'll love to uh, put a backlink to it uh, in our show notes. And so I'll get the, mm -hmm. the exact spelling and the, the, the title yeah. <laughs> for our listeners. You'll have a link to this. Perfect. Uh, let's talk about the San Diego Professional Coaches Alliance, because you and I met, yeah. I don't know, maybe like three years ago when I was in San Diego helping mm -hmm. Tom out. Yep. And really kind of a cool organization because, you know, as you and I know, we're both certified coaches, probably I, I was ICF. So I'm assuming you're an ICF certified coach mm -hmm. as well. We know the major cities have their local ICF chapters, but then there's the San Diego professional coaches Alliance. How did you find them and which, you know, what's been the impact of this organization for you, Margo Garcia? So about six months into my coach training, somebody recommended a speaker who was going to be at the SDPCA that I could benefit from hearing this individual speak. And so I went and I had been continuing to participate in various HR organizations, even though I was no longer an HR practitioner. Um, I still went to local HR organizations, both where I live on the Central Coast and in the San Diego area. And, you know, it was just, it was nice. Those are my peeps, you know, I, I certainly understand the conversation. But I walked into the room at SDPCA and just was observing and listening. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, this is the conversation I want to be in. These are the people I want to surround myself with. The energy in the room, the just the incredibly positive vibe and the amazing speaker that I heard, I just knew I was home. And so I almost immediately got involved. Uh, once I joined, literally the next month, there was a vacancy on the board and they brought me in to um, handle membership. And I thought, what a great opportunity because I get to meet all the members. There you go. And um, when the year um, was done with that, I ran for VP of programs so that I could actually be involved in identifying and bringing in the speakers to address the organization. And I've been, this is my third year doing that. Fantastic. Well, uh, it was great to meet you uh, 
at Tom's event and, to, mm-hmm. and, and I enjoy the SDPCA. And th- that was actually one of the reasons why I have, I did make my jump from Chicago when I did join to Las Vegas, I figured, well, mm-hmm. I'm at least hit more than halfway to San Diego. So, uh, right. Okay. And then we went virtual. And then so we it went virtual. Matter, but... so it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Margo, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you uh, on the podcast. And before we head out, is there anything else that you would like to leave our listeners with about you, your work? You know, so, I mean, we're coming. Well, we thought we were coming out of COVID. Now we've got this Delta variant. So we're, mm. you know, having to rethink all this, you know, going back into the physical locations. But yeah. there's just a lot going on. So any other pearls of wisdom, insights that you'd like to share with our audience? Uh, yes, absolutely. One of the things I talk about um I've been doing a lot of writing and some speaking on the topic of busy is the new lazy. Um, My premise there is that we keep ourselves so occupied, so overscheduled, so busy that it doesn't allow us to really focus in on and address things that are really important to us. I know in my own life, there was a time when I used work as um, that escape so that I could procrastinate and avoid having to deal with the things in my life I would need to change to to find that happiness, that joy that um, was missing because I was this crazy person working 70 hours a week and, you know, (laughs) you know. There's a lot of people out there that are still doing that. They're still doing it. They're still doing that. So one of the things that I um, equated was if my um, busyness was a form of avoiding and procrastinating doing the work on myself and the changes I would need to make and the whole definition of lazy is about avoiding and procrastinating, then ergo busy is lazy. And again, been doing some writing and talking about that. One of the things that is critically important to being indistractable, getting back to um, the book, um, being able to be in control and make good choices is getting enough sleep. And I know that when I was working crazy hours and uh, my kids were small and I was juggling, you know, 17 things all at the same time. I used to think that, well, I'll just, you know, I'll just work through. I'll just get, you know, skimp on my sleep and power through. That's not the answer. And the more I research, the more I recognize that there's a tremendous amount of information out there on how important sleep is. It's one of the things that I make sure people understand that it's not a luxury. It's not something you can skimp on. It's absolute necessity to be at your best. The research talks about how there's a connection about how we learn, how we are able to focus, how we are able to um, be at our best only when we have sufficient sleep. Everybody needs to have a nighttime height, you know, sleep hygiene routine so that they can get themselves into a place where they go to bed, they go to sleep, they're able to stay asleep and wake up refreshed. There's nothing worse than going to bed, but laying there wide awake because your brain's going like this. A couple hours later, the alarm goes off and you have to get up. Then you're not only not refreshed, you're even worse off starting the day than you were when you went to bed. So sleep is um, is very important. Everybody needs to find a way to get 
the sleep that they need to be at their best. Fantastic. And I'm here to tell you sleep is my favorite pastime. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, listen, Margo, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on uh, the Coaching and Consulting Insights on Success Insight Podcast. And before we head out, uh, if our listeners would like to learn more about you uh, and your work, where are the best places for them to go? My website is Great Leader Coaching. I'm also um, active on LinkedIn and Facebook. Fantastic. And I know on the Great Leader Coaching, if folks want to get a hold of you there, you have a contact form. And, you know, you, you like all us great coaches, we offer uh, discovery sessions to see if we're a good fit for each other. So uh, absolutely. I'm always interested in talking to people who are successful and accomplished and want to take their lives um, to the next level, create a life that is truly worth living. Fantastic. Well, Margo, uh, thank you once again. appreciate you taking the time uh, on this uh, busy week for both of us. And, uh, you know, great way to end the week on a very high note, just get to get a chance to learn more about you and your background, your work and sharing that with our audience. So thank you. Delightful to talk with you. Thank you, Howard. Fantastic. All right, folks, we have just been chatting with Margot Garcia. She's a leadership coach and founder of Great Leader Coaching. Lots of great insights and really, you know, how, you know, her background coming from these many years of HR and really something that it was really kind of a surprise for me. You know, this was not the traditional HR role where we're just policies and procedures and being the gatekeeper in the organization. But, you know, listening to Margot and her role of working within the organization and, and, and develop, helping the organization develop to develop, you know, a, for the sake of better words, a coaching culture. And it was really very refreshing. It's such an important thing for organizations, even today, uh, of how coaching can make a, an impact and a difference throughout the organization. So really loved Margo sharing that with us. Folks, uh, we will definitely provide backlinks to uh, Margo's website, Great Leader Coaching, as well as to her Facebook and LinkedIn profiles as well. And we will get the correct uh, spelling and get you links to Indistractable. And let us know what you thought of today's episode. And you can check us out on successinsightpodcast.com. You can also find us on our Facebook and LinkedIn Success Insight Podcast pages. Feel free to like it, comment, share it. And that's how we get traction. And that's an important part of this world of podcasting is traction. So let us know what you think. You can also find us on Almost all of the podcasting platforms, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Spotify. And on Spotify, we have our playlist, Coaching and Consulting Insights, uh, which is a part of the Success Insight Podcast brand. And so you can listen to this episode as well as all the other episodes from coaches and consultants, just like Margo. And uh, really a lot of great information. And I think... We have probably have so many episodes, you could probably do a round trip East Coast to West Coast a couple times. And so lots of good listening there. So take advantage of that and join us again on another episode of, of the Success Insight Podcast. And until then, go out there, have a phenomenal day, a great weekend. Take care of yourselves, your family, wear your mask, practice social distancing when it makes sense, where it makes sense. And really just be safe, okay? And we will see you on another episode of the Success Insight Podcast. Take care now. 
Success Insight is a production of Fox Coaching and First Story Strategies. Find us online, successinsightpodcast.com.